0: Welcome to the Ordinals Podcast, produced by Ord Media, featuring the top builders, projects, and investors pioneering Bitcoin inscription protocols and the future of digital artifacts. Welcome, everyone, to the Ordinals Podcast. I'm your host, Ragnar Lee Fraser. We've got a really exciting episode today. We're going to be talking about one of the most exciting innovations and breakthroughs and ordinals that is recursive inscriptions and we're also going to be talking about some very fundamental aspects of, of ordinals, which is digital artifacts. We're really lucky to have Danny Yang with us today. He's a co-founder of Onchain Monkeys contributed to the protocol. Um, so both from kind of a technical perspective and business perspective and art perspective even I think he's a great asset to the community. So Danny, thanks for coming on the Ordinals podcast. Thanks. Thanks. Great to be here and good to see you again. You as well. You were one of the panelists at our Ordinals 2023 conference. You were on the protocol panel. You had some great insights on the technical side. Um, So really appreciate you there. Um, Before we jump into our, our, you know, our our topics on recursive inscriptions real quick, what was your takeaway from the Ordinals 2023 conference? The takeaway was that,
1: you know, we're quite early in this space. And, you know, there's lots of opportunity and it is something meaningful, um, basically, and in, in this thing we'll talk about in this, you know, podcast, too, basically a digital artifact. And what does it mean to have a now a protocol for digital artifacts on, on Bitcoin? So I think that that's kind of the takeaway, digital artifacts and something something significant is coming. Um, but, you know, the market is still kind of wrapping, trying to
0: wrap their head around it. Yeah, digital artifacts, I'm glad you said that. So, And again, before we jump into recursive inscriptions, let's just hit on that for a second. So OnChainMonkey started on Ethereum, you guys are on ordinals. What to you is the meaningful difference between a digital artifact versus an NFT? Right, so NFT
1: is very broad. It's like saying blockchain, right? It, it's like some something that is crypto related, perhaps, you know, like non-fungible token, the tokens being, you know, crypto tokens. Uh, but it can be done in, in many different ways and also for many different applications. And digital artifact is a, a specific thing. So you could say it's a NFT could be used to create a digital artifact, but not all NFTs are digital artifacts. And most people think of NFTs as Ethereum NFTs just because Ethereum has been kind of the, the, the chain with most of the NFT activity and also you know the highest value NFTs so far. Uh, so Ethereum NFTs are actually a specific Type of entity so ethereum has their protocol for non-fungible tokens or nfts it's, it's called erc721 and what that actually is is a protocol for um basically trading of certificates so you basically have a unique certificate that that you know you the the, the blockchain so ethereum blockchain says you own and that certificate often is a pointer to either ipfs or to mm-hmm. uh you know a centralized you know token europe uh, url that represents the thing that that certificate Basically, that certificate is that link right and so that is what people are are trading um on ethereum and when we talk about digital artifacts we're actually not talking about certificates anymore we're actually talking about uh, the actual th- the digital thing so for example bitcoin uh what you own is the actual digital thing like the like the ownership of a bitcoin is is the digital thing on the Bitcoin blockchain it is native to the Bitcoin. Same with Ethereum, right? When you own mm-hmm. Ether, it's like it's represented in the ledger of Ethereum. It's that digital thing. It's not a certificate it's pointing somewhere else. So digital artifacts are basically, you know, digital goods or things that are actually you know native to the chain that they're on, that you actually you know have custody of, and they have certain properties. So actually, Casey Rodemar when he, um, you know, came up with, you know, Ordinals protocol, he wrote out you know, he defined certain properties of what he thought a digital artifact should have. And actually, they, they actually are pretty good. Um, and, but basically the way to think about it in terms of, you know, physical artifacts versus digital artifacts is really the digital artifact is just a physical artifact that can be represented all, you know, uh, in, the, in the, ch- the native chain that it's on, but with an extra property that actually not even true of physical artifact and that it's immutable. Mm-hmm. So when you have a digital artifact, uh, it cannot be changed, um, even if you sell it or transfer it to someone else. That that digital artifact is that a digital artifact. You can't modify it. It's immutable. I mean, that's not even true of physical artifacts, because you know, if I bought a painting, yes, I own it, and no one else can can like take it from me or, or you know change it. But I can change it, right? I can like spray paint over it, right, and or rip it up or burn it, right. So that that's actually a cool thing
0: about digital artifacts, that they're you know immutable. I love that yeah. immutable. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and, and, and the fact that it's immutable, but you know, it's immutable, which is so powerful yet. It doesn't mean it's stack it's static. It doesn't mean you can't, it can't become dynamic. Right. And with this recursive inscriptions, I mean, it really sort of open up the door to build upon this immutability and this in the fact that you you completely own it yet it's not like this stone carving sitting right in a cave it's just kind of that's it you're done with your inscription and there's no future for it really exciting so just for people listening um i'll just like a one one sentence summary that i read on okx they said recursive inscriptions represent a transformative breakthrough for bitcoin digital artifacts by Pushing the boundaries of ordinal inscriptions, they offer developers a powerful tool to create networks of interconnected data sources. So Danny, kind of in your own words, you know, what are recursive inscriptions in kind of plain language? Yeah.
1: So recursive inscriptions. So actually one thing, so this going back to just, you know, like NFTs on Bitcoin versus NFTs on Ethereum and, you know, basically digital artifacts on Bitcoin versus digital artifacts on Ethereum. because. You can actually have digital artifacts on Ethereum too. It's just that the protocol isn't very native, or rather, the protocol doesn't support it natively. So you had to kind of work around it and, and do extra work to kind of you know support that. And and mm-hmm. that's actually what we did. You know, actually two years ago when we launched Onchain Monkey as a digital artifact on Ethereum, because you know Bitcoin or it didn't exist then. Um, you know, we we made it in a way that had all the properties that you know Casey wanted in a digital artifact, and it was on Ethereum. Uh, and the market didn't really understand that um, they, they, you know, mm-hmm. we actually, you know, we have done pretty well over, over the, you know, the two years, and so people do appreciate what we've done. But in general, the the greater Ethereum market didn't understand um, that that aspect of, you know, the the Anche monkey, you know, digital artifact on Ethereum. M- many people still think of it as, you know, uh, monkey JPEGs, and we mm-hmm. we have got that criticism even on Bitcoin when we when we actually created on on Bitcoin you know, they're thinking, you know, oh, you're polluting Bitcoin with, with monkey JPEGs. Um, but so going back to what, how that time re- recursive inscription? So this is actually the beauty of Bitcoin Ornose in that the design of these inscriptions is, is um it's it's designed around basically how you would uh, consume it or, or view it. So these digital artifacts are very much um, basically web native as in your web browser basically is the, Consumer of it or the client of it, right? So mm-hmm. so that's why, you know, like the early inscription, uh, the, the early ones were, were JPEGs, but it was, you know, browsers can render it. It was very natural uh, to to just display that digital artifact, right? That, that image. And then because it's so browser native, then some people also wrote, you know, HTML, right? And then that also displayed. And this was already planned by KCBC support MIME type, so you could have basic HTML inscriptions. And that was really nice. So, you know, the browser would just open it and you would see. You know, basically whatever the HTML did, and in, in that HTML you can also have JavaScript, which is you know one of the most you know well known and popular programming languages. So that adds a lot of power to an inscription. Okay, so this is kind of the setup for inscriptions, uh, but still they're they're just single inscriptions. There's no recursion yet, right? Yeah. Uh, so now recursion, now enter recursion. This was also the kind of long term. Plan that you know Casey had in mind when he was designing this, right? He, he had a he, he brought this up, I think either in December or November last year. Uh, but the protocol, the implementation of the protocol wasn't ready yet. Um, yeah. So, and, and I guess people didn't think that was possible. It also you have to kind of wrap your head around around this. Because digital artifacts is already confusing enough. So what's mm-hmm. it even mean to have recursive digital artifacts? But the so the, the, what recursion is, is going back to the kind of the web example. It's like you could actually have basically links to other inscriptions, uh, so like a web page. You can link to other web pages or pull in web pages into your web page when, when you kind of display it. So that's what you could do with, with recursion in that because it's all but these links are not like certificates like Ethereum where you point off chain to somewhere else. They're actually all uh, native on chain on Bitcoin. So they're basically uh, links to other artifacts and it's a way to also build new artifacts from other artifacts. So, so basically in that sense, uh, Recursion also allows building blocks, which is very powerful. Mm-hmm. It, it's actually, actually the proper term would be composability. So basically you have composability with the Bitcoin ORLOS protocol. Um, and, and so you can basically compose new inscriptions or new digital artifacts from previous ones. and because it's an open um, you know, blockchain uh, and everything on Bitcoin is transparent and available for everyone, uh, whenever someone creates an inscription or a digital artifact, it could be used to create new ones. Everyone can actually use them to create new ones. So it's, it's actually a very you know,
0: powerful you know, system. That's a and good it- point that other people can build on them, right? Because art, you don't, great artists build on the shoulders of other great artists. You know, there's, there's always something new, but it's also built on something else. And so we see that if you, you know, any art history class 101, that's what you learn about the, t- you know, art over time. And so it's kind of exciting then to see, you know what, like I can build back on on Chain Monkey or I can build back on Casey's original, right, inscription, you know, number 01. Um, and so it kind of opens up this so many new things that we can go go through it. So you talked about, I like how you said that you can... You said something about connect um, artifact to artifact. So it's not just like IPFS links to IPFS links, links to things off chain. It's all linking to things on chain.
1: Yeah, yeah. And also that linkage is a, um, it's a citation, you could say. So if someone creates you know, a great you know, piece of work, you know whether art or, or code or whatever it is, and a lot of people use it in future inscriptions, right? It's all on chain, like those links, those citations are are on Bitcoin itself. So people can actually explore those and and basically the ones that are linked a lot, they actually will have a lot of weight and have, you know, mm. more significance, right? Like if if you create like the most cited or most most re um, most re, I guess recursed. I don't know what, what word we want to use for yeah. it. Gotta invent a new word. Inscription, it, it, it's actually significant, right? Like this inscription is, is used a lot you know, over over the years. And this is, this is like forever, right? Like it, it, it's not just like this, this next month, but, you know, some inscriptions might be used over and over for, you know, a hundred years, you know, down, down the line because of the kind of permanence and the immutability of,
0: of these things. That's a good point. So now in terms of values of specific inscriptions, now there's a new dimension, another dimension to the value of besides maybe just if it's art, the look, or it's music, the sound, or it's code, the innovation of the code, but, but how often people built on it, which to me is really great value because it's an objective way to measure value to say that there were hey there was a hundred different pointers to this inscription or a thousand or whatever it might be that's meaningful that's like crowdsourced value right there so i think when people inscribe you do bring up that good point when you inscribe something they might think maybe i should really inscribe something that everyone else could benefit from and use do you see that as as a value there for that yeah totally i mean
1: when we when we inscribed ocm dimensions so that was I uh, think the the this three D work that we we launched that we officially launched you know June fifteenth so pretty recently but we actually inscribed that work in February um, you know way before you know people were thinking about recursion although we were we were trying to like we were telling people about it but it was just you know the market wasn't ready for it but we actually inscribed a compression library and we inscribed you know three dot js which is a very uh, mm-hmm. commonly used you know three D rendering library. You know, for for web applications and all, even for you know, art. Like, for example, Art Blocks. Uh, many generative artists on Ethereum who use Art Blocks. You know, they use three Also, P Five We also inscribe that library. So these are inscribed on Bitcoin, and and people are starting to use them. So you, you basically, so you don't have to inscribe it again because these libraries are rather large, and you just reference it with you know your your when you inscribe your work that that creates let's say generative art using the library, you can just reference the previous library that I was described. And, and we actually uh, published a GitHub repo that lets you um, do that, or rather has a little command that lets you set it up automatically and describes how you could do it uh, to use the previous inscription. So that's, that's a power of recursion to, to use great. libraries.
0: And when you guys did that, w- was it you knew that in the future people, other people could, you know, refer to those and reuse those at the time you, you knew that? Or was it something you just yeah. did for yeah. Dimension? Okay.
1: We we knew recursion was going to be uh, an important feature on Bitcoin. Just the protocol
0: wasn't ready yet for it. So so we now, it when you group... say it wasn't ready, can you help yeah. people understand ah, good, good that it wasn't yeah, ready? So yeah.
1: The, the product, so for the protocol to, to work, uh, you you need you know people to kind of have stand standards like recursion. You, you need standards for how do you reference other inscriptions. So that wasn't set yet in February. So so we inscribe things like like these libraries uh, and wait waiting for basically the standards to be kind of set and adopted. And so as soon as that that um, I forget the exact issue, but there was an issue that described this. And it's, so how do you do recursion was now now it's settled we use this slash content slash inscription ID, right? So that was not uh, ready in February, but we knew that would be ready at some point in time, uh, basically the reference. How do you reference a, another inscription inside of your inscription? So, so we inscribed these inscriptions that we knew will be, you know, used when we could reference
0: them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. because. Casey, I can't remember if it was Raf who actually did, but yeah, it was Casey who did that. He enabled that is a very simple thing that he enabled, and then that sort of kicked it off. But that's interesting. I wonder how many other people you know knew about that that possibility. Were you talking about this um, functionality with other teams or other people? Was it just kind of the you know the OCM team that you guys were talking to? Oh no,
1: it was actually on GitHub. I can find the GitHub issue. So we started this GitHub issue in February. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me just find the link.
0: Yeah. So you were saying so from February is when you you kind of brought it up. You were you guys were yeah. doing it for OCM, and then it took a few months to get there. And then in June is when they actually pushed you exactly. know, that up that they needed to. Yeah.
1: I shared this link, and
0: I don't know if it'll show up later gotcha. in our podcast. But
1: if you scroll down, you can see the references. Um, issue 1082 is recursion. So that link is broken because the KC's GitHub was changed to ordinals. So you have to actually change KC to ordinals in that link. And then you'll see that that was an issue from December 23, actually, yeah, 2022. Okay. Issue 1082. But our issue that we started was issue uh, 1647 back in February 10. We started that February 10. So. So okay. we, we knew it was coming uh, and we, so we inscribed these libraries too for for the, when, when we could actually um, use it in the way that everyone also would use it versus you know like doing it our way and then the market doesn't adopt it and it's fragmented. <laughs> so and we're still going through that like the, the org, and we've been we talking to the org team you know throughout to, to make sure that you know we, we all do things properly so that we can grow the whole ecosystem right, in a maximally beneficial way for for everyone.
0: So you guys inscribed those in February, those libraries. So besides the ones in February, have you guys inscribed any other libraries or anything else that other people can build upon?
1: Uh, Those are the main ones um, because they're like for a genre of art. Uh, We've been working on, and and we like the OCM Dimensions collection that we launched, you know, in June, uh, it also, so recursion obviously was kind of the big thing that, that I think many people can benefit Uh, but there are also some things that are kind of uh, interesting that we we did that are are not quite um standard yet like like we also did um uh, basically an on-chain reveal so that actually is an interesting thing that uh even though the inscriptions are immutable um so you know each of the dimensions is immutable we were able to do a reveal as in when when people first got their dimension when they bought it it's immutable as we say but it was not set as in um which dimension it's a collection right it's a collection of 300 mm-hmm. uh and each one is unique but you didn't actually know which one you got yet um, and then we did a reveal uh and uh, all on chain too and we showed we proved that it was a, a fair and random reveal so no one had any um you know uh special like 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 everyone got one that was a random one, and so that was actually cool. and that, so th- this is kind of also where I think you're saying, even though it's immutable, you can still do some things that are kind of dynamic and and like unexpected. So we had this immutable collection that had a reveal that then locked in which one you got, uh, and how that worked was that inside. So we use recursion for that. So in the recur in the recursion, there it, um, it pointed to a an description that. Had not been revealed yet, uh, so mm-hmm. it would point to an inscription ID that didn't exist. Um, mm-hmm. It will exist in the future. Basically, when we when we did the reveal, when we set the transaction to create that inscription, then it, it suddenly revealed itself. So, so there was basically a state change in, in our inscription, in our immutable inscription. We had a state change, which is a pretty cool um, function, and I think more people will start doing things like that with
0: inscriptions too to ask no. some
1: sort of dynamic you know so the way you guys
0: did that you said is that's not um there's not sort of a consensus agreed upon standard to do that
1: oh no so actually,
0: it? It, it was it was so okay
1: we, um there's going to be in the future what we did in that example there'll be easier ways to do it uh but we did it in a way that wasn't an agreed upon standard, and we, we, we only used the recursion method which is the slash content inscription ID. So that was all decided basically June 15th. Like the mm-hmm. June 15th was when ornos.com said, we, like here's here's the release of slash content slash inscription ID. Like this is how one, this is a new uh, endpoint for recursive inscriptions, And that's actually what we use. So we were waiting for that consensus. And then we launched and we used it in a way that also was as novel in that uh, we weren't just using it to just point to an existing inscription. We use it in, to point to a future inscription so that inscription that we point to in the recursion actually didn't exist yet which is kind of the, the very mm-hmm. cool thing we, we actually use recursion on an inscription that was to be created in the future so that's how we could do that state change so even though the the, the dimensions that you got uh, is immutable the the recursive call is something that uh, will change as in it could change only once because the change from non-existing to existing, so it basically went from a null value to the the actual inscription, uh, recursive inscription call. So that was a way to do uh, state change using the existing okay. framework. But there's going to be a new framework, or rather a new endpoint that will come out for. Us. There, there are going to be a few more endpoints that will be supported uh, for in Orno's protocol over the next few months. That actually will add also even more power, or or rather simplicity, like like the thing we just described. It's actually kind of hard to do. Like, to set up a, an inscription that hadn't happened yet, it um, takes some technical, I guess, know how uh, and, and also some extra work. And also, if you screw up, you screw up this, <laughs> and there's no, because it's immutable. Yeah. If you got the transaction ID wrong, that future inscription reveal would just not work. So, like,
0: everyone just owns a blank uh, inscription. Uh, so, that I was would gonna have been ask bad. you this is a dumb question, but how could you? point it to something that didn't exist, I mean, you know, I'm sure this is a dumb question, but how could you do that? It's not dumb at all. It's actually very tricky. Um,
1: it, it, it takes some like Bitcoin knowledge to understand why that was possible and, and what is possible. Uh, yeah, so it, uh, the inscription ID is unique, so you can, and it and there's a commit reveal scheme. That's how, you know, Casey designed this using, you know, using taproot. So you can't just, you get like. Once you set an inscription ID, which is what we set in the, um, in our, so w- w- the dimension, it had an inscription ID of something that's in the future. So you can't pick anything because if you pick anything, there's no way you can create that inscription ID because it has, it's like creating, trying to find a hash of something and it's just impossible. You have, you know, no computational power is big enough to do that. So we had to have, um, created the inscription just internally first. So that we know we can get that inscription ID in the commit and reveal, but we don't send out that transaction into the blockchain yet. So, so in terms of the public side of Bitcoin, it doesn't exist yet, uh, mm-hmm. but you know we we know that it can exist in the future. So, so that that's how we. So basically, it's something we have not revealed yet, but we know we know that we could reveal it, and that when when we do reveal it, it'll be that inscription ID. And that's what we use in the recursive call. So, so then it's basically we, we, so that's kind of the future inscription that doesn't exist yet. We, you, we call it in our recursive inscription and then we, and then we can choose when to release that, that, uh, inscription. And then th- that's when we have the state change or, or the, and then or how the do you release
0: it? Sorry. So then how do you release it? What is the inscription that you have to do to rebuild yeah, that? So th- then it's to actually, re- so you can actually
1: create an inscription without sending it to the network, right? So mm-hmm. we release it by sending it to the network. Okay. Yeah. And then when it, when it's mined, then it will,
0: it will reveal the, the transaction. Very interesting. Yeah. Now you talked about other endpoints. So what do you mean there's going to be other endpoints? Yeah. So I, I think
1: we, since the recursive call one was added, we've already added a few, I think a block hash endpoint and block height. And a couple of those have been added so endpoints basically bitcoin endpoints endpoints that um, point to other parts of the bitcoin network Uh, and so then you can actually easily call those inside of an inscription. and some of these endpoints can be very powerful just like the like the endpoint for recursion right now is the slash content inscription id so being able to address inscription id is very powerful a few more endpoints that are related to bitcoin also are very powerful yeah and in a sense basically bitcoin owners becomes like a very cool bitcoin explorer you know, you know, people can really uh, do interesting Bitcoin-related things, too, inside Orono infrastructure. In fact, you can, it's like Orono is like the ultimate Bitcoin explorer once these other endpoints are in.
0: That's interesting because, yeah, different, uh, like, block heights. So I think I saw one that was going to the art change based on the, the block height. So what would be an example of, of a couple of these endpoints and why would you want to use this? So let's say there's a, there's a specific block height. Why would that matter? What can I do with that? That I can't just, like, what would you do with these endpoints that you can't do in some other way? Like, say, the you know, uh, an inscription ID. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you can do different types of, I guess, dynamic NFTs. Um, you know, I described the one where we could change it once by sending out, like, for, I guess, for each inscription ID, we can make a change. So, so uh, like, with, without adding these new endpoints, if you want to have a bunch of different changes then you have to have a bunch of different reveals. So, so yeah, you could say it that way. Um, uh, but with some of these endpoints, you could just have them change, uh, yeah, basically on a certain, um, maybe t- tailored to that endpoint. So, you know, like block hide or, or something could,
0: could be that. Um, yeah. So you could set something up for years in advance. In theory, right? I mean, if you know the block height in 20 years. Yeah, and something will
1: change. Like, yeah, that art. Yeah, if we're focused on art, yeah, there could be art like that where, you know, it's one thing up till now. And then, you know, in 20 years, it'll change to something else.
0: Yet it's still immutable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty exciting. Um, So we talked about art. I think art is what a lot of people think of with inscriptions. It's visual. People appreciate that. So besides art, like the art changing, the image changes, what about non sort of art things? Maybe it's code. Maybe it's something else. Can we enable some sort of smart contracts with this?
1: Uh, Yes. Uh, um, So we were just talking about the fact that you can do state changes uh, in in the artifact. So basically that is a type of you know smart contract. It's different from Ethereum where the smart contract is evaluated by the native chain. So this is actually code that's evaluated, you could say by by the client, but the, the code and the state is kind of agreed upon though by the network. So so there's gonna be some cool things there. Also, you even think in terms of just code, uh, one of the, the things about, like recursive inscriptions is you're you're really building out kind of like a decentralized GitHub repository, but it's even more than that, in that Mm -hmm. we were talking about earlier how this is like something that some uh, long lasting and you can see the references that other people have towards yours. So it's like uh, with citations Mm -hmm. like GitHub, also with citations, Uh, but it's also also you're actually running the code because the actual applications are also in the same um, platform because you know, like the like, the is code. It has code for other code, like libraries. But you, all, it's also the application where you run it and you see the three D art, right? It's a three D thing that's actually rendered, um, you know, in your browser when you and from the Satoshi too, from from Bitcoin. So it's like all all in one. It's like both decentralized GitHub, like you know, citation, like historic uh, record, but also the the actual application too. So.
0: I think that would get more developed over time and we'll see it's a you know very future cool, yeah. you know, things yeah i know with uh, you know ethereum they try to call it the world computer right and and yet and it's done some cool things but now with ordinals you can see how bitcoin being a very basic world computer where, where now you're running code you have references to things right you you have pointers you have reveals I mean, to to what extent do these recursive inscriptions enable more of like a world computer type functionality or is that overselling it? I think it's a, a slightly different. I think it's just what do you think the world
1: computer is? Because even like Ethereum, uh, you know, people talk a lot about, you know, Turing complete. I actually don't think that's that important about like the applications that are built on Ethereum that create the most value are really ERC20 and ERC721, and the stuff around those. Uh, so it's actually just certain applications are actually very valuable, uh, you know, for Ethereum. And then for Bitcoin, there will be also applications that people build on top of ordinals that will be very valuable. And right now we don't know what they are, but we do know that mm. there's actually a lot of power in this new protocol that's still not finalized yet. As in, the the, the specifications are pretty final, but the implementation of the protocol is still, you know, being worked out. That's why you have, you know, cursed inscriptions and some of these other things that um, are still basically um, they're there because it's not finalized yet. Uh, But then after it is, then what could you do with it? It's actually pretty, pretty broad. There's a lot of, you know, things that are being created. And some of them are around applications and, and these applications, you know, There could be some very valuable killer applications on Bitcoin that no one has thought of yet.
0: I like that you said that no one has thought of yet because, you know, obviously you've done some innovative things. You talked to other, you know, innovators, um, you know, probably, you know, publicly in a Twitter space or GitHub, but in privately as well. So you probably have a couple of ideas what can be done. But I think you're also saying you don't know. And there's things that we, are going to find out. And I think that's really exciting because I know you've been in Bitcoin for a while and that hasn't been the case with Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin kind of became stale if you're a builder. And, and some would argue, well, Bitcoin isn't supposed to be exciting. It's just supposed to be, you know, digital gold and sort of that's it. And if you try to make it exciting, now you're adding complexity and fragility and bloat and such. But actually this is kind of exciting that there's going to be new things we don't know. And one of my favorite, um, you know, things about Bitcoin and and ordinals is this idea of censorship resistance I really like inscriptions that also have meaning in terms of withstanding um, censorship, because we talked about digital artifacts and we know that like human artifacts over time, different political regimes don't like certain human artifacts. Some have been hidden. Some have been reinterpreted um, different religious political orders. So how do you see, you know, recursive inscriptions? Uh, and maybe other things helping with this censorship resistance that maybe you can't quite do in Ethereum or as well. So, h- how does this bolster Bitcoin's um, supposed strength of censorship resistance and maybe even immutability?
1: Yeah, well, I think th-
0: these, are, like, these are two of the properties that are uh, like censorship
1: resistance and immutability that are, you know, core to a digital artifact. So, just by design, the OROS protocol is, is that. And, but going back to this, this i think the the important point of bitcoin has its properties actually because it's quite simple the you know mm-hmm. bitcoin uh the big so not the Ornus program but the bitcoin protocol is a very elegant one that you know has withstood the you know the years you know so far it's the longest lived blockchain and it's still you know very true to the original you know bitcoin white paper um, and the upgrades um, have added just moderate complexity to it Still, Bitcoin is still very si- simple, and the stuff we're talking about with Bitcoin Orno is actually not changing the Bitcoin you know core protocol at all. It's actually mm-hmm. very much uh, the same protocol for Bitcoin, but this is just um, um, in fact this is also why Bitcoin Orno is, is so elegant too. In that the the ma- Bitcoin Orno basically is the Bitcoin protocol, uh, but just another lens of how you look at the Bitcoin protocol. So it, it's really the same as Bitcoin protocol, but just kind of lens of how you interpret, you know, Bitcoin, and that's, I think that's actually an important, but very nuanced point about the Orno protocol, uh, because it's really the Orno protocol is just Bitcoin, just how yeah. you view Bitcoin, and when, when then so this also goes to censorship mm-hmm. resistance, right? So, uh, you know, there are some things people don't want to see, so then you don't have to look at it, uh, mm-hmm. but it's still there, right? So for everyone who wants to see it. You know, you can't take it off, it's there, it's there. But, you know, if it's like, let's say it's illegal or something, then you just, you know, the, the option is really to not look at it, but you can't remove it, um, you know, that's just because it's just already part of Bitcoin. Unless you change Bitcoin itself, uh, you know, you're, you're not gonna be able to, um, you know, basically change that part of it. So you really have to change Bitcoin. So if you think Bitcoin is secure and resistant, then resistance, then you know, ordnos will be too. Um, So it just comes down to actually Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, I like how you said that, that it's just, ordinals is just Bitcoin. And I like how you described it as a lens of how you view Bitcoin. And that's a good point. You know, for me, I'm very much like a privacy conscious person. Um, And one of the criticisms of Bitcoin has always been that it's really not truly fungible. Like Whereas Monero, that's a lot more fungible and why I really like Monero. And it was the only other crypto I've used besides Bitcoin up until I was Bitcoin only up until like maybe two years ago. And then I started with Monero, well, three years ago with Monero and then two years ago with uh, Stacks, approximately. And that is a fair criticism of Bitcoin, but that it's not, you know, UTXO model, right? And, And just the structure, it's not. But it actually has now in a way become a strength because if each Satoshi is different and you have the UTXO model, well, wait a minute. Now we can do things that we couldn't do or at least there's a new understanding of what that Satoshi is. Exactly. Just, and
1: that's, I mean, it is the UTXO model that enables Orono. ornos is just, you know, Orno's theory is just, you know, UTX is based on the UTXO model. So, yeah, that's exactly the, uh, your argument that it's a strength and that's why Ornos is possible. And, and then for privacy, then, you know, there are other privacy solutions even for Bitcoin. You know, you can, you can, mm-hmm you can have a privacy on top of Bitcoin. But Bitcoin by design is, yeah, it's public and not private. And the t- tokens by design are, you know, you can say non-fungible, uh, but you can, you know, make them fungible. And that and that, you know, that works, right? Bitcoin works over the
0: years as a fungible, you know, token. But also you can do the non-fungible thing. Yeah, with like uh, Samurai Mar- yeah. Wolf, Whirlpool and, and uh, obviously Sparrow Wallet now uses Whirlpool. And so you can't have that privacy. Um, but yeah, going back to Bitcoin, um, you know, one of the strengths of Bitcoin was supposed to be that it has the network effect. It's, it's the most used cryptocurrency, but it's been a struggle over the years to get Bitcoin adoption to be used as money. And, you know, as you you're well aware. And so it's been kind of a struggle to sort of get that adoption for Bitcoin as our money. Um, but what's interesting now about the UTXO model and then ordinals, it actually has helped create more of a Bitcoin circular economy that simply wouldn't be possible, like say with Monero. I mean, there's ways to do it, but the Bitcoin really has, with ordinals, has enabled now this new Bitcoin economy, right? Which means on chain, you really don't need these um, fiat off ramps and on ramps. You really don't need custodians to do all this. You can just keep, you know, keep your your inscriptions in your wallet. You can keep your Bitcoin in your wallet. Um, maybe you can kind of give your comments on that idea of sort of a new sort of bitcoin circular economy enabled by ordinals
1: absolutely, yeah, I mean for an ecosystem to really grow, you need an economy in that ecosystem and bitcoin actually like like how Bitcoin grew was really that it was it was the kind of the base cryptocurrency that was used to trade other other cryptos on other blockchains through centralized exchanges but then ethereum came around and people realized, well you can actually do all the basically on on ethereum you can natively you know trade all the different cryptos right on ERC20s and then ERC721s so that that has been missing in in bitcoin and now we have that with the oracles protocol where you have digital rfx and you can trade basically j- just like what you saw on ethereum so so this is going to be i think you know very, very promising for bitcoin and the bitcoin economy you know both you know on chain and then also it grows off chain eventually but definitely unique yeah. for This on-chain part.
0: Yeah. And, and I like the reminder that every inscription, you know, has like this padding of Satoshi's. And so not only are you getting an inscription, but you're getting a small amount of, of Bitcoin as well, um, which is pretty neat. We only have, you know, a little bit of time left. So I do also want to talk about maybe some challenges. So what are some challenges you see right now to either recursive inscriptions or the next kind of, thing facing at least ordinal theory what are you seeing in terms of you know challenges right now yeah i, I think it's one around education we, we brought in some new people into bitcoin
1: so that's great mm-hmm. but uh they many do not understand the etxo model or bitcoin so you know educate them on, on bitcoin and that, that's good educate but then uh ordinals itself you know many people come from the ethereum nft ecosystem so they don't actually know the difference between what we we're talking about earlier a digital artifact and a Ethereum NFT, and that's actually a really important point. So I think it's basically around educating uh, on, you know what is an ordinal. Then you know then then after that it's like what digital artifacts and what's a uh, uh, ornal inscription or rather recursive inscription,
0: and then the, the other things you could do with it. Um, but yeah, yeah good
1: education. Point.
0: Yeah, education. And just I'm glad that we started the conversation off talking about digital artifacts, kind of relaying that foundation to people instead of jumping right into it. Because if not, then you forget the difference between an NFT and an inscription, UTXO model, you know, versus an account model. And so that's that's a good fundamental thing. And like, you know, on Chain monkey, you guys, you know, have a strong community. Go back a little ways. Uh, at Ordinal 2023, I saw the crowd there. Uh, Right, very enthusiastic. And so have you seen it in the OCM community? You guys started on Ethereum. Can you talk about kind of that community learning about Bitcoin? I'm sure plenty of them were were Bitcoin OGs, but what about kind of people from there now in Bitcoin?
1: Yeah, in fact, you know, we we had a mix. It's a pretty diverse community. Uh, You know, some didn't have any Bitcoin. So when we did OCM Dimensions, you know, people, some people had to buy Bitcoin for the first time Mm -hmm. to be able to mint that because that was a Bitcoin mint. Um so yeah, and we we've been also, you know, educating our community about the difference between uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, the pros and cons because you know, Ethereum has its pros too. So kind of what what are the you know good things about each chain um and the differences. Um but we are we are moving or allowing all our Ethereum NFTs to be moved to Bitcoin and to really be like you know, Bitcoin ordinals and digital artifacts. Although when we launched on Ethereum, as I mentioned earlier, you know, OCM Genesis was a digital artifact already uh, but even that move to bitcoin uh, I think it uh, it's it's a new digital artifact on Bitcoin that has its own properties that are native to Bitcoin that I think you know I think most people will actually want to move up, move over there move from ethereum to bitcoin especially the high value digital assets you know high value digital artifacts I think Bitcoin would be the, the more secure chain most most secure chain for, for
0: that Absolutely. And and leading that, I think I'll we'll finish off with my favorite question that I asked guests, because you brought up, uh, you know, value and people wanting to go to Bitcoin from Ethereum. So my final question to you, Danny, is do you own an inscription or multiple inscriptions that you would never sell, you would never transfer? And if so, why? Yeah, well, OCM Dimension, I think that
1: that one, um, I think has a lot of, uh, you know, like technical innovation and historic significance, uh, you know, you know, created back in February um, and kind of, you know, pioneered many of th- these techniques of, you know, recursion being one, but, you know, like this idea of the reveal and, and using this, you know, change of state, you know, these are all pretty new concepts on, on Bitcoin. So, and, and the art is cool. I mean, I like the 3D art yeah. of, of uh, dimensions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. At at high fidelity. Right. And, and, you know, even with this, the file size, you can still get these three dimensional, rich, rich visuals. So that's, that's a great answer. I mean, you, you, you love what you build. So that's, that's the real key there. Appreciate Danny coming on, on the Ordinals podcast. So where can people find you and then OCM? Yeah. So my
1: Twitter is Danny upside down. So it's H U U E P uh, at Twitter. Um, or I guess it's X now, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and, X, yeah. and Auntie Monkey, you know, that, that's also the, the other account
0: that, um, you know, our, our, project is, is on, on Twitter. Perfect. Well, Danny, thanks for uh, coming to Ordinals 2023 conference and also the Ordinals podcast. Looking forward to what you guys are going to keep building on. And we'll see what these innovations are that you alluded to that we still don't know. So again, Danny, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review our show. Subscribe to the Ordinals Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite app, and follow us on Twitter at the Ord Pod. Drop us a line at podcasts at org.media for topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like us to interview. Ordinals 2024 conference is taking place in Nashville. Early bird passes are available now. Visit org.media and sign up for our newsletter. Thanks for listening to The Ordinals Podcast, produced by Ord Media.